Good morning, I'm Anna Marie, and it's time for Focus. Today we're going to hear from a couple of guests. We're going to hear from Chris Lilly. He's the dad, part of a former March of Dimes ambassador family, and a current volunteer family for March of Dimes. We're going to talk to him in a few, and we're going to hear from Tamara Curran with the March of Dimes. But I need to give you a heads up. This interview was recorded right before the quarantine started, so the March of Dimes March for Babies is not going to happen in person. That's going to be a virtual March for Babies. You can go to marchforbabies.org and join the event and then you're going to download an app and track your steps and raise money that way they desperately need us to go ahead and continue to help them raise money for all the things we're going to talk about in this interview but again go to marchforbabies.org and sign up and it's a virtual walk this year so in a minute chris Lilly, the dad in a former march of dimes ambassador family but right now we're talking with Tamara Curran. She's the Director of Maternal Child Health and Government Affairs at the March of Dimes. We want to talk about uh, several things today that you are knowledgeable about, including a report card. What is this report card? Yes. Um, each November, the March of Dimes releases a report card um, just to look at the status of preterm birth, the health of moms and babies. Okay, good. Well, so how did we do? Not too good um, when we look at how we fare with our grade. Tennessee received a grade of D on the report card. Well, that does not sound good. Not sounding good. But I think there are a lot of great things going on in Tennessee that impact that grade to make that better. So lots of wonderful things that are going on. But our grade is still a D right now. So what are you grading? And, you know, how, how what is the criteria? For the grade, it's how many babies are born preterm. A full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks. Babies born at 37 weeks or earlier are considered preterm. So that's what the report card measures Mm -hmm. and grades. Okay. What are the good things that are happening that you said kept it from being an F? (laughs) The report card also measures different counties in the state. And so some of those grades are worse than the state grade, but some are a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, So that impacts the grade as well. What are we doing right and what are we doing wrong that might impact that? We know that there are certain things that contribute to preterm birth. So things like moms don't um, get into health care early. Ideally, women will see a physician before they're ever pregnant to address any problems they might have just as a woman. So things like high blood pressure, if they're a little bit overweight, Those things can be addressed before pregnancy. Um, Even simple things like taking a multivitamin to get folic acid that prevents birth defect. So doing that early, then during the pregnancy, making sure to get into care early Mm -hmm. to care for mom and baby during that time period, we know there are better outcomes. So that has been shown to reduce the number of preterm births. Yes, because things if there's a problem that arises... It can be addressed. Okay. What other things can we do? Um, Smoking. Um, In our state, that number has gone down. The number of women of childbearing age who smoke. So where are we? For women who smoke, women of childbearing age, and that's any woman between the ages of 18 and 44, Mm -hmm. our percentage of women who smoke in that age range has gone down from over 20% to around 19.9%. So less than one in five. Yes. How do you feel about that as being in the business of trying to have healthy moms and babies? Is that better or are you, are you still just appalled and you're like, come on, we've got to get this together? I think that's good news. Anytime we can lower that percentage is good news. Yeah. But our Tennessee Department of Health is doing a great job with some of the smoking dollars that our 
legislature has allocated. And so all 95 counties in Tennessee have access to those smoking prevention dollars. So they can focus on youth to prevent them from starting to smoke. They can also focus on pregnant smokers and helping them to quit. So we know that will change, you know, babies being born early and especially babies being born at a low birth weight. Mm -hmm. That smoking plays a key role in both of those things. So that is good news. One of the most popular programs is a Baby and Me Tobacco Free program. And so it's designed for pregnant women who smoke to help them quit smoking. They're even, um, as a part of that program, in completing classes. Women can get gift cards that they can use for diapers and things of that nature to kind of start stocking um, their supply as an incentive for going through classes and then showing um, success not smoking. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. And that's, that's very good to help them not only be motivated to go to the class, but also help them continue to make positive steps and positive changes in their lives. Yes. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, what else do we need to do or are we doing right? Definitely, again, before a woman is ever pregnant is ideal for her to see a health care provider. Also, those things that can be addressed before pregnancy if a woman's um, a few pounds overweight. Are there programs to help with that? There are some programs Um, Not necessarily through March of Dimes, but um, I think there are fitness programs all across, you know, our state um, that women can access. Uh, If they're pregnant? No, this would be before pregnancy, but yeah, that's a good question. Because I wonder, I think a lot of times women don't get into something like that because of the cost. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time or the money to do some sort of a fitness program. Yes, or even the time. I think that's a factor as well, but... um, I would say at local community centers, um, there are programs that may be free, Mm -hmm. maybe having that physician visit, but even simple things like, you know, walking Mm -hmm. every day. But I would also say make sure that your physician has approved that Mm -hmm. during pregnancy because, you know, that's another reason it's important to see a physician because most women who have a healthy pregnancy can stay active um, to keep the weight gain down. Yeah. Are there tips from the March of Dimes or on the website or online somewhere that women can get if they want to improve their overall health even before they get pregnant and then during the pregnancy? Yes, there is. We ha- Our website uh, addresses before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and between pregnancies. Oh, good. Um, and our before pregnancy period, it's, it's a technical word called preconception. Mm-hmm. Um, so women may see that on our website, pre- preconception health or before pregnancy. But if you've already gotten pregnant and, you know, you are trying to be healthier, there's some information for during pregnancy as well. Um, And then the between pregnancy period, we were talking about some risk factors earlier. We recommend, and most of the key health agencies, that women wait at least a year and a half, 18 months between pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Um, So that gives them time to maybe um, get healthy again, get back to an ideal weight, um, maybe even address some factors that they didn't in the first pregnancy, they can address in the next. Yeah. Um, So that ideal period of 18 months is what we recommend. Um, There are sometimes risks if, you know, healthy babies are born, even if they're not 18 months apart. Yeah. But um, it's a recommended time frame Mm -hmm. for women to have a, a healthier pregnancy 
the next time. So some people learn the first time because they maybe had complications or things were difficult or not as uh, optimal as they could have been for the health of the mother and the baby. Yes. And then next time around, that 18 months gives them a chance to regroup and go like, okay, this time we're going to do it like this. That's right. And even to, um, you know, stress of having a newborn. Oh, true. You know, that those are normal factors. You know, just kind of getting your lifestyle arranged around having a newborn. True. Um, you know, completing breastfeeding. So that baby is, you know, has access to breast milk for mm-hmm. better outcomes for that baby. Right. Um, you know, stopping the breastfeeding at whatever period, and then you have time to prepare for another pregnancy. Yeah. D- didn't you say you have kids? I do, yes. So so you've been there, and you know you need some downtime? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. It is chaotic. Just, you know, that adjustment period, no matter how much you plan, um, you don't know what what you're getting, so to speak. You know, every baby comes with the personality, And so the best planning, um, you just don't know if you're going to have a crier or a baby that doesn't sleep on schedule. But, you know, there's time to work through those challenges and that newness Mm -hmm. um, in the lifestyle of a family before adding another baby to the family. If you just joined us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus. And our guest today is uh, Tamara Curran, Director of Maternal Child Health and Government Affairs at March of Dimes. And the website is marchofdimes.org. Yes. Um, so anything else that we need to know or think about from the report card that the March of Dimes did on infant and maternal health? One of the highlights on our report card outside of the of preterm birth and our grade, the report card this year also looks at um, some of those factors that play a role, as we talked about. Um, and it can include things even like poverty, Oh, where if someone is, um, you know, has less income, they may have uh, transportation issues that don't allow them to even get to a physician. Even if they have health insurance, they may not be able to get to a yeah. physician's office. And also the stress that comes along with that. If you're trying to Uh, figure out how to feed your family or to um, get transportation to a physician or even pay your rent. You know, that creates what we call some toxic stress in women. And that, too, can lead to preterm birth or even some poor outcomes for mom um, as well. What kind of poor outcomes? What does that mean? Well, our state um, and other states have been focusing on um, maternal mortality because we talk a lot about preterm birth and infant mortality. But maternal mortality has been a big highlight in public health lately, where moms who are at risk of losing their own life um, for factors that might be um, complicated by a pregnancy or a delivery. So examples would be maybe some hemorrhaging after birth even uh, hypertensive issues. Um, And in our state, um, our maternal mortality review committee has shown that, you know, many of those deaths are preventable in our state. Um, So whether it be addressing some of those issues during pregnancy or teaching families how to advocate for the woman who's just delivered and paying attention to some of those signs while they're still in the hospital, Mm -hmm. And even once they're home, paying attention to some things that don't seem normal Mm -hmm. um, and really reporting those to a doctor or going to an an ER. 
So, yeah, because if that's their first child, they don't know what normal is. Right. So things like, you know, excessive bleeding, um, a, a headache that just doesn't seem to go away, that's kind of unbearable, you know, really paying attention to those things and calling in um, to a physician just to get some advice about what should be done next. How did the family members find this out? Where? I think there's a, a bigger campaign going on now in t- trying to raise awareness about this issue because we talk a lot, again, about the baby, yeah. but we know the mom's health is important as well, not only before pregnancy and during pregnancy, but that after pregnancy period as well because mom and baby's health is one crisis. It's it's interconnected. Yes. You know, you it's all lo- looped in together. Right. So we want to make sure to address those things. But I think, you know, you'll see some awareness campaigns. Uh, March of Dimes had um, blanket change that um, was last year where, you know, 700 moms die in the U.S. And many of those deaths are preventable. Um, That's after pregnancy. So if we had known what to look out for. Yes. So how can we help March of Dimes continue this mission to, you know, help moms and babies have good health? Well, one of the things um, that um, we are doing to make an impact, you know, we have lots of great partnerships and collaborations, but one bill, um, one piece of legislation we're working on this year is around pregnancy accommodations in the workplace. It's a really simple um, recommendations that are a part of this bill, but, and some employers do this already, but we feel like it's important to have a law that lays a standard for all employers. So simple things like if a woman is, you know, we talked about that poverty piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And so women who are in poverty are likely to um, have more labor intensive jobs. So if they're working in a factory on a line, so to speak, as the pregnancy progresses, she may not be able to complete those tasks in the way she has before. Right. So simple things like providing a stool for her to sit on to complete her duties or a few more bathroom breaks or right. water breaks because we know she needs, you know, a bottle of water to keep that amniotic fluid around the baby at a good level. Yeah. So simple things like that. And even when a woman returns to work, if she wants to breastfeed, does she have a place during the day that she can go to pump and then to store Mm -hmm. her milk? And so this bill wouldn't require a lot of cost for an employer. That's not what we want at all. Right. Um, So not, you know, like creating a breastfeeding uh, room and actually doing construction or anything like that. But is there a clean, you know, well-lit space with a refrigerator that can meet that need? Yeah. Um, are there different assignments a woman can do at her company mm-hmm. while she's pregnant so that she's not stressed, she's not on her feet, and creating some additional complications for herself and the baby? Yeah. Okay, and so that bill is where? It, it has been introduced, okay. um, so it, it will be moving through our legislature this year. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you need to update us on from March of Dimes? Just another important way is just our our March for Babies, you know, coming out to um, celebrate um, with other families and learn more about our mission and how to get involved. Mm -hmm. It's a great way um, just to see who we are and see the work that we're doing. I find that often the people who are involved with things like the March for Babies are people who have 
needed March of Dimes. And it's yes. like, I'm going to stay home and sit on the couch on Saturday, April 18th. But the moment somebody in their family has a, a preterm baby or mom's health is at issue and they find out that the March of Dimes research has helped to save the lives of both of them, it's like it flips a switch. Yes. And people are determined to get involved because they are like, well, I didn't realize. And so now I'm on board. So mm -hmm. you're going to see a lot of people who are like ambassadors for March yes. of Dimes out there. People who are just, you know, carrying the banner right. and like, this is a fantastic organization and we all must support them. Yes. Yep. So lots of families that have been directly touched yeah. by our mission um, who will be there. Most of them young children. But we even encourage, you know, families who've been impacted years ago to come out because yeah. it's great for those younger families to see where their child will be. You know, you're still touched by the mission, no matter what age you are. Mm -hmm. um, and then those children will go on to have children of their own and can still come back and celebrate. Um, Cause we're not only looking at babies who might've been born preterm. We know our mission touches there but also babies who are born healthy. We believe that the work we're doing every day, passing laws, um, creating partnerships, um, providing education in the community, mm -hmm. that those things are making a difference and getting babies to a healthy outcome, those babies that are not counted in the grade that we have on our report card, right. um, are also babies that are touched by March of Dimes. Okay, And we can get more information at marchofdimes.org. Yes. And on the March of Dimes Facebook page? Facebook, yes. And we'll post the info and the links on our Focus Facebook page as well. Thank you for having me here. It's always fun. It, it is. Thank you very yes. much. Tamara Curran, Director of Maternal Child Health and Government Affairs with March of Dimes. Now, again, that interview with Tamara Curran with March of Dimes was recorded before the quarantine started. And now March for Babies is going to be a virtual March for Babies. you got to go to MarchForBabies.org, that website we just mentioned. And you can join the event, download an app, and track your steps and raise money through the app for March of Dimes. So it's virtual, not at the actual event site. Now, we're going to talk to a dad who's a part of a former March of Dimes ambassador family. He and his wife, Novanda, had twin sons who were born prematurely. We're going to hear part of his story. It's Chris Lilly, and he's taking us back to a crucial moment when he realized just how serious things were that his babies were being born prematurely. She was laying on this operating table and uh, had a smile on her face because the anesthesiologist was working with her. Uh -huh. um, little did she know, on the other side of the cape, um, I, I, I described it as war was going on. The doctor was uh, working with other doctors to make sure that they could deliver these, these children at 26, 27 weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, I was told by the doctor uh, before we started all of this that there were complications and that not only were the children, uh, were there complications with the children, but there was complications with the mother as well. So he wanted to hold the children uh, with the mother as long as possible. But like he to did, keep them from being born. To keep them from being born, to did stop he, the pregnancy. What did he say? What were the complications? Is it something people would know what that is? Or? Number one, they did not have the, uh, the team that could handle children that were that young and that small. Mm -hmm. So he was calling around. Oh, and putting together a team. He was putting together a team, and he found a team out of Vanderbilt because Marcha Dimes was actually working, and research, uh, working with Vanderbilt and a NICU specialized team to help out in this area. At the time, they were the only team. 
So when he did find them, he brought them in and he had them talk with us, talk with me about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, he did tell me that they were going to um, hold the children as long as possible, but they could only hold them as long as the mothers, as Navanda's body would uh, not resist and try to push them out. Right. Um, at that point, her body would, would become uh, septic and her organs would shut down. Oh, because she, her body is kind of feeling like there, this, there's something that needs to, those babies need to be out of me. That's correct. And so, the, so, oh gosh, okay. So this NICU specialized team, they stayed on alert. They stayed on alert for, it was, it was a couple of weeks. They stayed on alert. Do you think those couple of weeks made the difference in keeping your, helping oh, your boys I survive? It, I think it did. Yes. Yeah. And when he called them and he let me know, I had I had five minutes to scrub down. And he says her her uh, her organs are starting to shut down. So we got to get the baby. So we've got to do this. And what did they tell you at that point about the babies? You could tell the doctor was very concerned as he was working with the babies, uh, as they pulled the first one out, mm-hmm. and me looking at my son, looking at the uh, you know we had been told that we were having twins, two boys, the blessings that we had. I also ran a football league at the time. So I'm thinking about the sports that they might play. Mm-hmm. But then I'm being told that these children, for one thing, they're going to fight for their lives when they come out. And there's a great risk that they will not play football. They will not play these sports. They will have uh, respiratory issues. They could have skin issues. They might be blind. And us just thinking, well, it'll be a blessing that they'd be alive. Mm-hmm. So going through all of that, as he pulls out one of the children, and as the NICU specialized team starts working with one of the children and watching as they, they worked with a sense of urgency and the stuff that they were doing and seeing his little hands, he, he didn't have a cry at that point. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, more of a peep, and his eyes were uh, still separated. So they what were, do you mean still separated? They were not developed to where they were in place where they're supposed to be. Oh, wow. So he had, they were more separated on the sides of his head. Right. Like, like an actual fetus. Yes. Like an actual fetus. Oh my gosh. Uh, his skin was uh, translucent. So mm-hmm. you could see the veins and you could see the blood. Oh, wow. And they started working with him and they had put something down his mouth and I saw his hands moving and then he just went limp. And at that point, you know, they know what they're doing, but it does hurt you to see your child in pain. Yeah. And they kept working with him, and they took him out. And then as I turned around to see what's going on with the, with the other child, uh, that's when I realized that he wasn't coming out. And the doctor had to, uh, he had a sense, sense of urgency to get him out. Mm-hmm. So he started working. Next thing I know, he was, he was uh, how would he say it? It was more than wrist deep, but he was, he was all the way in trying to pull him out. Finally, he got him and pulled him out. Same thing with him. They worked with him. And they were ventilating him, and they were thinking that he'd have a few more problems than Chandler, who came out. We immediately were in prayer about uh, what was going on. And as we went back to the room, and I had made a call that the children were being delivered that night, we realized that we had a big support system as we came back to the room. The room was full of of loved ones and friends that were concerned at that point, they wanted to see the children, but they couldn't go back and see the children. They were still working with them. Mm-hmm. So it took a few hours. They went back, and, and they were able to go back in twos and see 
the children. And that's when I realized, put it this way, it wasn't okay. It wasn't just fine. It wasn't just a regular delivery when you saw the concern on their faces, when you saw them tear up. And um, did you guys cry? At that point, um, I had my moment. Mm-hmm. And but I did not want I did not want to to have that moment in in front of my wife. Yeah, uh, she needs to heal. She had gone through a lot, mm-hmm. but she was asking for her children, and at that time she couldn't see them. Who told her that she couldn't see them? Did you have to tell her? At the time, I had to tell her. What did you say? I said, "Look, you just need to heal. You need to rest. You've been through a lot today, mm-hmm. and you will get to see them. But right now." Was letting the family go back. I'm taking them back two at a time so that they can see them. And she was kind of, she was a little bit, she was still under the medicine a little she bit. She was so, out of it a little. Yeah, so she just nodded her head yeah. and she rested. About four or five hours later when she when she finally kind of came to, uh, they did wheel her, her bed down mm-hmm. there and, and let her see the, see the children. Kind of look over into the uh, neonatal intensive care unit, yes. the NICU. yes. And that's the, when they were so tiny that they would fit in the what the pa- the palm of your hand or in your hand. How big is a two pound? I could fit both of them in my hand. Did you have a certain point where you thought, okay, this is going to be okay? We're going to make it through this. The kids are going to make it through this. Was there a certain point? We developed a mentality of we were we knew it was going to be okay, and we didn't really realize the people around us that were um, very concerned. Mm-hmm. Until I'd say after it was over, um, after they were released, um, they stayed there and we lived out of there for um, and I say we lived. We couldn't stay there, but but we were there. Yeah, Uh, they were there. One of them was there for 80 days. The other one for 85 days. Yeah. Chase came home on Halloween of that year and Chandler came home five days later. So and and they were supposed to have been born. They were supposed to be born in November. November. And they were born in August. After staying in the hospital for close to three months. That's correct. So it was probably really good that your friends and loved ones did not share their concern with you. I have found that sometimes when you when you tell someone what's going on, they'll it's almost like they have faith that that person is going to die. They're like, oh, she's not doing good. Do you feel it was a good thing that your friends kind of hid their concern a little bit? So you guys could keep believing? Oh, I know it was. And I've had conversations. My dad, he had come up there and he had been visiting on his own at the NICU. And uh, he he finally told us about a conversation he had with the doctor. And he did ask the doctor, where are they? Are are they going to be okay? And the doctor at the first time, the first time told him it's still a fight. Mm -hmm. And we're just going day by day. The next time he talked with the doctor, the doctor says they're doing they're doing so much better. It looks like they're going to be okay. And that's when he went out and he bought all these clothes and he bought a, a crib. And we're wondering why then he, he went out and spent a whole bunch of money on this stuff. And then he later he told us that of that conversation that he had with the doctor. Wow. Most of our family was there, I think, from the beginning to be a support for us mm-hmm. because they didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. What would you like other families to know? I would like other families to know that there is help, that there is an organization that knows that it's not fine and that there there's research that's being done day by day mm-hmm. to help out, to team with these to team with these hospitals that don't have specialized teams. 
to also team with those uh, for preventive care mm-hmm. to uh, to help them to get the resources that they need mm-hmm. to team with these mothers as they are uh, taking prenatal vitamins and going through different exercises that that um, here are some ways to to help prevent premature defects. Mm-hmm. The March of Dimes is also at the legislative level, and they're working with some of our, our lawmakers in, in getting it uh, passed, several uh, bills that will help prevent premature birth defects. And support research and support education to get the word out. Yes, yes, to, definitely. To uh, women who are of childbearing age, basically. The March of Dimes, do you feel that the March of Dimes, anything that the March of Dimes did actually helped save the lives of your little boys? I know what they did helped save the lives of our little boys. And that's why they will always hold a special part in our hearts. Mm-hmm. If it were not for them, you don't have that specialized NICU team that comes out of, of Vanderbilt and is coming by and working with my children as if it was their children. Mm-hmm. You don't have them telling us what we're going to go through ahead of time. You don't have them working with the mother that has to leave the hospital without her children and her children are still fighting for their lives. And you don't have the, those, uh, the NICU nurses that are educated in every little part they need. And those, are, those were angels. And I still, um, when I see them, I just want to reach out and hug them. Uh, we, had, we had one that she took care of not only my twins, but I also have uh, twin nieces that were born uh, premature. Oh, my gosh. She took care of them as well. And that's what the March of Dimes is about, taking care of babies and families all across the U.S. Thanks to Tamara Curran with March of Dimes and to Dad, Chris Lilly, for sharing their stories with us today. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.